Dan Perkins Media presents a unique and exciting program. Truth Starts Now, a conversation with Dan Perkins. The left has taken away your rights to freedom of speech. Truth Starts Now is a platform for you to regain your voice. America and Americans will be better off if we can have civil and respectful conversations about the day's important issues. Now, here's your host, Dan Perkins. Welcome back to The Truth Starts Now. And we have a truth detective that's been on our show probably more than any other person in the time that I've been producing this. John O'Connor is an attorney, lives in San Francisco or thereabouts, schooled in Watergate. In fact, he's written some books, which we'll plug a little later. Uh, Welcome, John. Hey, Dan. Good to be with you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you. John and I were talking about the bragging and uh, taunting, these are my words, not John's word, taunting by Joe Biden against the Supreme Court when he successfully decided he was going to alleviate $1 billion of debt for 180,000 students. This is a, a, a situation where the court had already ruled against him doing it, but he's not gonna pay any attention to the court and made no bones about it. He's gonna do what he wants to do to hell with the court. And as John and I were talking, one of the things that came up was, are there similarities to this and the arrogance of a president uh, to what happened in Watergate? And what do you think, John? Well, I think some apt comparisons can be made. Now, I think Nixon did not do everything that he was accused of uh, because as it turns out, his attorney general was not behind this. But behind Watergate. But nonetheless, what struck a chord in everybody during Watergate, all the citizens who wanted to get rid of him, and I was one of them, is that he was a scofflaw. He did not obey the very laws and procedures that everyone else had to follow. And he did that for his own political aggrandizement or to prevent political harm to himself. And that's what struck a chord with the American people. Right now, Joe Biden is essentially saying, I am not going to abide by the legal process that is in place here, which involves the highest judicial authority, the Supreme Court, saying that what I did was wrong or what I'm about to do is wrong. I did it anyway. So that, to me, uh, is very much like Watergate. He's not, number one, he's not doing his duty and could be impeached for it now. In 2024, there's not enough time to impeach him, and it's impractical anyway, given the makeup of the Senate and the partisan divisions that are there. But that said, I think an argument could be made that he could still be pros- he could be prosecuted for this after he leaves office for the ser- very same uh, reasoning that people think that they can indict Trump for his actions. Uh, clearly, the president is not immune for everything. And Joe Biden could be could be prosecuted. It reminds me, Dan, of what uh, President Jackson said when he when a Supreme Court ordered him to do such and such regarding his Indian removal uh, project. And he said, well, that's the order of the Supreme Court. Now, let's see if they can enforce it. And Jackson famously went ahead and ignored the Supreme Court and went ahead with his project. I think this here is far worse than anything Jackson did or anything that Nixon did. 
Uh, in Jackson's case, he could clearly claim at least that he had the authority uh, to do what he did. But in any case, I think uh, you have a situation now in which Biden is giving out money. He's giving out consideration to a certain group of taxpayers that he wants to be his voters. And that's illegal. So if we look at it from the way you've positioned it, um, are we looking at a president who could use his powers and his decision-making process that he could basically walk away from any court decision? That he could walk away from what, Dan? Any court decision. Well, that's what he would uh, propose. Uh, now, I suppose there are other cases in which he could ignore the court's decision, but it might be difficult for him to carry out his wrongful plan because there might be more court decisions that would come up down the line where, for instance, uh, there might be some cases in which uh, 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 you would need the court to enforce a decision. In theory, he could disobey any decision the court made regarding uh, his presidential powers. So, so that's thinking, what's dangerous. Uh, thank you, John. What I'm thinking about is the situation last week of the young college student in Georgia who was murdered by an illegal who had been deported and brought back in and uh, went to New York and was arrested and then let out on no bail and came down to uh, Atlanta. Um, so I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, that girl very possibly could be alive today if Joe Biden had followed the law, but he chose not to follow the law. And so this young woman and many others were brutally murdered by people in this country illegally. Isn't that the same thing? That's a little different. I would say what you've just pointed out, Dan, is a fellow who's not doing his job very well. Arguably, he's falling down on the job. He's not doing what he should be doing. But nonetheless, I think that would be something for which he could be impeached if there was the political will, because he's not faithfully enforcing the law. But that's a little different, I think, than the affirmative act of actually taking money, taking cash out of the cash register, so to speak, and giving it to somebody, which is what Biden is doing, in essence, with his debt relief package. That Those debtors owe money to the United States. There is a contract there, and there are notes there. That is property of the United States government and us as taxpayers. We've got, like any business, you've got accounts receivable. Can somebody come in? Can I come into a business and say, okay, Dan, your accounts receive all the money you thought you were getting. I'm canceling those. No, I've just taken your property if I've done that. If I take them up and tear up your notes and so forth and tell the, tell the debtors that uh, they don't need to pay Dan anymore, I've just taken your property from you, haven't I? Haven't yep. I destroyed property? Now, why isn't that true with Biden? These are, these are lawful contracts, the United States government, and he's abrogating those contracts. Uh, so, and, and he has no power to do that, by the way. He has no power to abrogate a contract. Uh, but in this case, it's a contract to the United States government. So he's giving away our money. 
So that's a lot different than being a lousy enforcer of the border, for which I think you could get impeached. But I'm not so sure that's a criminal act as much as it is just being a bad president. Do you think it's possible that the parents of that young woman and the one who was killed in California and many others, could can you sue the, the federal government for dereliction of duty? You can. And I spent a good deal of my life um, defending what we call federal tort claims. And I'd have to think about this one because this sort of begins getting into the idea of discretionary decisions by decision makers. I think there's a possibility, there's a way that you could possibly fashion a lawsuit that a court might go along with. If you could do it the right way, I think it would be an uphill fight. There might be a way to do it and claim that this is that this is a federal tort claim. For example, if uh, Biden uh, don't clear the ice on this federal property, I want you to do something else. And you went out and you slipped on, you slipped and fell and hurt your back. Clearly, you could sue for that. That's the neg that's negligence in the performance of a duty, sort of a mandate. I would call it a mandatory duty. Uh, it's a little bit different. Or if there's malpractice at a government hospital, you can sue the government for that. Uh, I think probably this looks like a discretionary decision of an administrator, in this case, Biden's administrators. And I think we were pretty successful in getting those cases dismissed. Uh, there might be a court out there that would take this. I would like to see it myself. But then I think the fear is, how many times are people do people die because of of stupid decisions by the government, uh, including, for instance, uh, you know, uh, uh, in any kind of uh, robberies or what have you. Think about the people that are getting killed in our inner cities right now because of lax law enforcement. So I think courts would say maybe this is going a bridge too far. But if I look at the number of people under the Biden administration who have been killed because the government has let fentanyl across the southern border and didn't interdict it. Now we have people losing their lives, hundreds of thousands of people losing their lives based on a federal government decision, and more specifically, based on a policy established by the president of the United States. Well, I would say that's probably uh, not going to fly in a court because it is, like you say, it's a it's a policy of the United States. And if it's within his power and it's just a poor one, it's a poor one. But I don't think that would be uh, make the government liable in tort for that. If you're a doctor at the local naval hospital and you overdose a patient on fentanyl negligently, that could be the basis for a suit. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not the policy of the United States government to overdose people on fentanyl. Right. So, so, so I think there's a distinction there. Okay. So we get to about two minutes. So given the, the situation, there's not enough time to indict him for, for impeachment. So the committees in the House who are studying whether or not he broke the law and is impeachable, would they do the same thing that the Democrats did with Trump after he left office? The impeachment, yes, you could. 
I, I think it would be a silly gesture, and especially given the fact that he's going to be acquitted anyway, it would be look. I, I just look at it from a, a question of whether or not it's practical, and I don't think it's politically practical because it, we would make Biden kind of a a hero himself. For uh, there'd be a reaction probably against that. It would look political. So I'm just looking at the optics of it. Is it? just is it fair i would say yes it's just it's fair to do that but i hope let me put it this way the best thing the best remedy here is just to vote the guy out of office rather than yeah. trying to get two-thirds of the senate to convict him i'll never figure this out how do you impeach somebody who's no longer in office doesn't make sense because the whole idea of impeachment is really removal from office if you've if you've removed yourself or the voters have removed you What's the big deal? Uh, that's why I think that Trump impeachment was so silly, but it's just really more of a formalistic thing. So I suppose you could say, well, we're impeaching you, we're convicting you, and that conviction goes back in time. So you are deemed unfit for office as of the time you committed acts one or two in our indictment. Uh, it's formalistic. That's the problem with it. It's merely formalistic. It doesn't really achieve its true purpose of removing a malefactor from office. We're, uh, we're going to take a break here and we'll be back with John O'Connor. John, before we go, where can people find your books? Postgatebook.com. Postgatebook.com. Uh, I've got two books on there, uh, Postgate and also The Mysteries of Watergate. will tell you everything that's not been reported about Watergate and about how the Washington Post did not report the truth. Hmm. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm Dan Perkins, the author of a new historical romance novel called Sad Eyes. It is a story of a young woman, a beautiful Irish lass with red hair, green eyes, and curves that won't quit. She is born in 1912 in Waterloo, Iowa. She decides she wants to be an ER nurse, but she wants to move away from Waterloo to the excitement of the big city. She is accepted at St. James School of Nursing in Chicago and began a life as a true American patriot, serving her country in two wars. She fell in love with the love of her life. She takes the longest honeymoon in history. This novel is full of twists and turns and is difficult to put down. You can find Sad Eyes at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and J. Carroll Publishing dot com or through your local bookstore get it read it tell people about it and write a review on amazon this is dan perkins welcome back to the truth starts now and we're speaking to john o'connor who's a longtime participant in this program and a good advisor for me keeps me out of trouble we're going to do something that we did several months ago when we did a show and we're going to look at the four cases and I'm going to give you my judicial opinion, and then John can give us the facts. So let's start with Florida. I think that the 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 release of the report by the special prosecutor indicating that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was in control in his garage and other places of classified information that he wasn't allowed to have because he was vice president, and he still had him. And they came and they found them. I'm assuming that they took them, but he had them in a place where he could drive his car up to it. There was no special security and he's cooperating. And the, the prosecutor said 
that even though he's guilty of holding classified information, she, he's not going to prosecute him because of his age and his infirmity. That course, that, they, they can't do one and not do the other. When the president of the United States holding documents that he had in his possession, who he may have or may not, I don't know for sure how much of it was declassified by him, he complied with the extra lock on the door. I don't see how the, the prosecutors go after Trump when there's the sitting president is found to be guilty of holding secret and classified information that he shouldn't have, and they're not going to prosecute him. You're Again, right. I have two, two responses to that. Number right. one, you have the idea of holding and or misusing classified information. That's number one. Number two, you have the question of obstruction of justice. I agree with you that Trump's holding of and retaining of classified information, which everybody knew about and which he was not really using for any nefarious purpose, is no different, and a matter of fact, more innocent than Biden's holding of information. Uh, he clearly was writing a book on Afghanistan. We know he was using his the information for that. And for various other reasons, it appears to me, although the special counsel did not get into it, that he was also using classified information to curry favor with his Chinese clients at the Penn Biden Center. Mm -hmm. But but in any case, let's put that aside. Let's accept your argument that the, the mere retention of classified documents should not be a crime. I agree with that. And he's being charged with 30-some counts of misusing or holding classified information in Florida. Now, that said, the real key here is that in Florida, Trump, there are nine counts of him lying or obstructing justice. Those counts, I, I, you and I have discussed this before, I think they're the ones that everybody relies on to show the difference in the two cases. Yes, We've charged Trump with this, but he obstructed. We're, Bi Biden misused classified documents or retained them, but he didn't obstruct. Now, for various reasons, I think Biden did obstruct justice, but at least he was found by the special prosecutor not to do so. So that's the distinction. Trump obstructed, Biden didn't. I think there is a legitimacy to that. I hate to say it. I think Trump deliberately obstructed justice. I'm very hopeful because I, I think prosecutorial discretion should have said, look, we shouldn't be prosecuting an ex-president for this, even though he did obstruct. He was in a legitimate fight with the archives over what he could retain, what he could look at, uh, even though it's technically obstruction because the FBI came in and set him up for obstruction, issued a subpoena, technically obstructed, but this is really more like a political fight. Now, having said that, um, let me tell you also that I just wrote an article in PJ Media as to why Biden obstructed justice and uh, far more than Trump did. He, he basically, Robert Hur got four, looked at four out of 53 boxes of documents he had at the Penn Biden Center and whitewashed uh, Biden of the whole thing. Uh, he obstructed, he hid documents from from uh, the special prosecutor, but but put that aside as to whether or not her, uh, you know, punted on that one wrongly and whitewashed the thing. I think that the the real dangerous case is Mar-a-Lago, 
I hope that case gets put over until after the election and this thing goes away. But I think my message to everyone who wants a change in regime here, who wants a conservative president, is watch out for Mar-a-Lago, watch out for counts 33 to 41, they're dynamite. I, I understand that. And yes, we did talk about that before. But I also feel, John, that somewhere in the Justice Department, there are lawyers sitting down with her and saying, do we want the backlash if we're going to go out and try and prosecute Donald Trump? We don't need to, we don't need to throw gasoline on the fire. So they could either postpone it and then walk away from it because they're not going to be there. So let's move on real quick to Atlanta. Uh, prosecutors in a lot of trouble. New information came out today on the 26th of February that there were thousands of emails and instant messages between the two of them before the time that she said she had no, no relationship with him at all. So she's, she's dug a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And I suspect that, that the judge is going to have a hearing this Friday on what he's going to do. But I, I, I would be very surprised that if he, he would allow her to stay in the case and him. I agree with you on that. Uh, I certainly think there's a conflict. I think there's corruption and a conflict. Uh, I think the remedy is not to assign this to someone in Fannie Willis's office, because in, in effect, she's their supervisor. It'd have to be a DA from another county. Uh, and if I were a court, I would assign this to a DA, say, in Cobb County uh, and, and have him or her take over this case. Uh, I think the venue would probably still stay in Fulton County, which is bad news for Trump because you've got a lot of voters there that uh, don't like Trump. I will say this. I think that's a terrible case. It really is a nothing burger. It's Trump really railing against the establishment for not doing a better job of investigating all the election abuses. He wasn't to find 11,000 votes. Trump thought legitimately there was 50,000, 100,000 in fraudulent votes. I think so, too. Mm. Um, and he was hoping that the um, Secretary of State would go out and do his investigation. So it's a silly case. But nonetheless, I don't think it's going away. I hope for Trump's best interest, the best interest for Trump would be for it to be tried in another county with a more neutral jury and he would have a good chance of walking on that. I don't think he's going to walk in Fulton County. At the same time, I think one thing about these proceedings and Fannie Willis's clear lies, everyone thinks she lied. It doesn't matter whether you're liberal, conservative, doesn't matter what you are. You know she's lying. So that will take away some of the force if Trump gets convicted there. It will make it look like he's clearly a victim there. So I don't think a conviction there is going to hurt him. That's that's to, to his benefit. So let's go to Washington, D.C. Look to be a lock. And now the judge has taken it off the docket and has not given any indication as to when or if she's ever going to put it back on. So that there's no chance that that case will be tried before the election and may not ever be tried. Uh, that's what I would hope, but I think it's more of a hope, Dan. Uh, she's a tough judge. She's been very tough on January 6th uh, 
matters, including sentencing people to extraordinarily long terms. This is not a fan of January 6th, and it's not a fan of Trump. She's taken this off calendar because of the immunity issues that could go to the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court takes accept certiorari, uh, which means they would hear the case, if they accept a hearing, that's essentially going to put this case in orbit. And with the Justice Department rules, not seeking a criminal prosecution during election season, this may put it off. But if the Supreme Court does not uh, accept certiorari, then, and if the case goes forward, I think this can go forward. I think this court is going to put it on the docket as fast as she can and try to get a conviction from Trump. Uh, that said, this case brought by Jack Smith, I think, I think he is guilty of prosecutorial malpractice. Mm. If I wanted to get Trump, I would not issue a sprawling indictment that really calls into question his state of mind as to five, count them, five separate states involving millions and millions of voters, in which I am claiming as a prosecutor that he did not, uh, he did not, he believed he did not win. No one who really understands Trump would say that he didn't believe in his heart of hearts that he'd win all those those elections. But she has to prove that, and or the prosecutor has to prove it. I'm sorry. And Trump has the defense for the first time of being able to show why he thought he won. Thought is important because that goes to criminal intent. Does he have a guilty mind? Did he think he was defrauding anybody? And the answer is, I say no. Now you say that. You're going to get a jury here with 90% Trump voters that are very politically active, as we've seen from the trials before that were brought by Horowitz, uh, the Horowitz group, uh, through a special prosecutor from Connecticut, John, uh, uh, <laughs> and now I'm blanking, is it John Durham or whatever? But yes, in any case, but in any case, uh, that's another bad jury. Uh, so I'm afraid of that one. Now, if the Supreme Court takes cert, that decision is not going to come out until July, I would say. And so then is there enough time to get this thing on track? I don't think so. So it leaves us with New York City, a case where nobody was injured, nobody was defrauded, all the bills were paid, and they want to charge Trump with $350 million in fines. I need you to help me figure out where I might be wrong here. It seems to me that the attorney general, when the case first came to the judge, she had stipulated a $250 million fine. And as the judge was taking testimony over the weeks, she raised it to 350. On what basis? She can do it anytime she wants, any amount she wants. Here's what I would say to you, Dan, on this one. Uh, everyone has been portraying this as a fine or a penalty. It, in essence, is a fine or a penalty, but it's not clothed in that intellectual garb. It is technically speaking damages, which is different than a fine or a penalty. By the way, if this were a fine or a penalty, it would be unconstitutional under the Supreme Court decisions. Uh, under the Eighth Amendment, prohibits excessive fines or penalties. However, oddly enough, 
It's not a fine or a penalty. It's an assessment of damage under the statute. The statute here does not allow a fine or a penalty. It does allow for damages or restitution. But the fact is, here's, here's the real key here. Under the law of damages in the state of New York and in practically every other state, broad damages are out-of-pocket damages. If someone, if the loan was not repaid, that's out-of-pocket damages. If the loan is repaid, there are no out-of-pocket damages. So there are no out-of-pocket damages, and the $355 million should get thrown out. Now, is it okay for her to raise the damages from two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty? Yes, if she has some way of doing that, it might be interest, it might be referring to the testimony of this so-called expert she put on. The expert said, gee, if Trump would have told the truth, uh, these people, these lenders would have uh, uh, put more onerous terms on Trump and they would have and Trump would have had to pay more in points and in interest. Uh, that's the basis for this made up damages. Those are not out of pocket damages, by the way. Her whole theory is off. The judge doesn't know anything about anything. So I agree. Uh, and so. The, the damages could go up just by interest. If interest is occurring at 10%, that can be something where he's decided, well, the damage expert calculated damages as of 2018 when we brought this. There's been 10% interest on that since then. It's 350. It's all made up anyway. But I suppose there might be a basis if you accept the, the premise originally of the damage expert. Uh, it's a silly case. It's not a criminal case, that's a civil case. Um, now, one of the cases we've forgotten about, Dan, is the criminal case in New York, which is about Trump filing supposedly a false business record. Uh, that is to say, hiding the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. For various reasons, that's a very, very weak case, very weak, because the prosecution has to prove A, that Trump's responsible for the false statement in the record mischaracterizing the payment to Stormy Daniels. That's number one. It's not clear that he had any knowledge of how that was described in the ledger. But number two, under the New York law, that misstatement has to be for the purpose of hiding another crime. There was no other crime that he was hiding. Alvin Bragg has to make up crimes that he was hiding. That's a weak case. That's so weak that that he has a good chance of an acquittal, even in New York, and he has a good chance of that one getting overturned. The other case in New York, um, the uh, some of the lawyers, pundits, are talking about the $350 million and $80,000 a day in interest are punitive, and uh, that the court, the, on, the, on the appeal, the court will throw it all out. What do you think? If you look at it as a fine or penalty, in other words, the court could say, look, these are not damages to the extent there's a fine or penalty issued. Uh, it falls squarely within the case of Tim v. Indiana that Justice Ginsburg decided in 2018, saying that the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution does not permit excessive fines or penalties. You have to look at the harm done and weigh it against the fine or penalty. In this case, there's such a disproportion that if this is a fine or penalty, it's unconstitutional. I agree with that. 
I think it's defective because it's not even because it's not a criminal case. They shouldn't be issuing a fine, number one. And number two, to the extent there are damages, there are no damages. So I agree with anybody who says that this verdict should be overturned. This judgment, I should say, is going to get overturned. There are a couple ways to do it. It's a terrible, terrible piece of jurisprudence. Do you think that there will be any repercussions to the judge for his behavior and, and what he did? No, I think in New York, he's a hero. People are so blinded by Trump hatred that anything you do to Trump is considered an act of heroism. Uh, this is an odd duck anyway. I think he's a guy that loves partially clad photos of himself on the internet uh, <laughs> and doing all kinds of other things. He's not He's not a serious man. I think he's probably, he wouldn't be doing this if he weren't a hero in his own circles. Wow. Well, what a show. Amazing. We've been speaking with John O'Connor, good friend and a smart guy in the law. And John, thank you for joining us today. One more time, where can people get your book? Postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com or Amazon. Uh, uh, Postgate and is one book and the mysteries of watergate is the other john thanks for joining us dan good to be with you you bet we'll be back after these messages and we're clear we ran a little long but that's okay you had some great stuff to say thank we, you for we a covered a lot we covered a lot we did yeah. <laughs> it went a hell of a lot uh yeah. it, but it was uh i was pressing you and i i i i, I knew there was not going to be any chance we were going to get it in and in, yeah. in in a half an hour, but I don't care. I mean, what you gave was such important insight. We needed to we needed to spend the time to to help people understand. Sure. So thank sure. you. And Great. how is how is San Francisco? I think it's terrible. Everybody here is whistling past the graveyard and trying to say, "Oh, things are picking up." Unless they solve the homeless issue and really address it, which they're not doing, everything flows from that. Crime, filth. Uh, now you've got people not uh, occupying city buildings. Uh, I think the real estate market's in the tank regardless. Then what that does is the tax base is rapidly plummeting in San Francisco. Uh, there's a lot of storms ahead. What happens when we start having deficits in San Francisco the normal uh, reaction is going to be to tax businesses. The normal reaction of businesses is to not be taxed and to leave. It's a doom loop. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't like to go downtown anymore. There are certain places in town that I still like to go to. Usually there are places close to the Golden Gate Bridge where I hang out. I used to have always hung out from downtown to the Golden Gate Bridge. Everything's beautiful. That sort of... Well, travel way, which I've been traveling for 40 some years. Uh, but I don't like the city anymore, as beautiful as it is. There was a story out this morning that there are, the Democratic leadership has picked seven people that could replace Joe Biden. Number two, I, number two is your governor. I think he's number one. If they put Kamala as number one. They did. They're not going to pick her. Uh, she she's polling at twenty eight percent. No, um, as as I told you, I'm I'm no Gavin a little bit. I know his wife's family very well. Um, 
see them all the time. They're in my club. Gavin and Jennifer in my club too. Um, but I don't see him over there. But um, uh, he's the number one guy in my view. I ha I've had bets with people that he's going to be the nominee. I had that bet a year ago. Uh, uh, he, the, he's the only guy they can nominate. He's the only guy that can win. Uh, I think he's going to be a formidable foe, no matter all the Democrats I know out here poo-poo Gavin as a presidential candidate. I do not. I think he's fast on his feet. He's good looking. She's great looking. He's going to seem like a real hero. He's going to be very formidable. Trump's Trump might get convicted of something. Um, and his his support, by the way, is not universal. That's Nikki Haley stuff. People are poo-pooing Nikki Haley, but I'll tell you, she's exposed some real weaknesses of Trump. I hate to say that. I wish it weren't so. But she lost the support of the Koch brothers Saturday after her loss. Sure, but look, if if people exiting the polls in South Carolina, maybe they can't be believed. 60% said they wouldn't be inclined to, to support Trump. Uh, if that number's only 20%, these are people that are voting in, in a conservative state for a conservative for conservative people. And if he loses even conservative support, that's bad. He's uh I think uh New Hampshire, everybody acts like he's killing everybody. He you know, he she got forty-three percent in New Hampshire. Now some of those are Democrats or independents. Oh yeah. But he's yes. got to win Democrats and independents. And I'm afraid that Newsom comes along. He's going to look like nice, clean, shiny brand X. You know, you know what he is? He's the second wife. He's the second wife. He's the trophy wife. Trophy wife. Oh, dear. I won't be like the other one. I'm going to be wonderful. Oh, yes, we'll marry you. Yes. Now, guess what? It's not going to be a great second marriage, but... I'm afraid people are going to vote for that, that, that uh, you know, hope will triumph over uh, good sense. You have, I just have one more question and I'll let you go. Uh, do you have any sense of how they're going to get rid of Biden? Yeah, uh, the, the PERS report was one of them. That was not unintentional. Uh, uh, and so... I think they're going to put all kinds of uh, people are going to start claiming they're going to withdraw support. Um, uh, and another thing is uh, that they're going to have to give him some money. His sister uh, buys the ads. She she gets a big rake off of all the ads that he's going to buy. So you're talking about I don't know how much she actually pockets, but it could be as much as fifty or hundred million for her share, just her share. Fifteen percent of a billion is one hundred and fifty million. But let's say she gets fifty or hundred million from that little venture. Somebody's going to have to make a deal with her and say, "We'll cut you into the new buy." Uh, I think there are probably talks going on right now about how to get her some dough. Uh, but you know. Uh, I don't know where the other pressure points are. Uh, that's a reason for Biden not to cave in. Um, is he going, has taken, are they going to wait to, to do it before the convention, after the convention, at the convention? What are they going to do? Uh, they'll do it before the convention. Uh, at, but at some point, Biden's going to say, you know something? 
I'm just not feeling well right now. I'm just not doing well. Uh, I've, I've just taken a step back. I've decided that uh, I can't I can't do this I, for the good of the country. And they can make up something like he's just now determined. So his doctors just told him he's had some bad tests. Uh, and he, for the good of the country, he's such a great guy, he's going to step down. Uh, Newsom's done everything he can to kiss his butt. And, uh, you know, so he's the guy. They won't, Kamala, they won't but even get close to. If he steps down before the end of his term, Kamala's president. Well, he won't step down. He's just going to say he's... Um, not going to run for re-election. He's not going to run for re He's going to pull a Lyndon Johnson. Okay. And uh, and then what that does is, the beautiful thing here is, is if he steps aside in favor of Gavin, Kamala can't be on the ticket because of the Constitution. Right. It okay. So it's a good way of getting rid of a dead weight there. Then he'll have to make his move to get somebody that's acceptable to the right demographics. But um, I think it's going to happen. I think it's in the works. I think there's not a day passes. There hasn't been a day passed in the last half year that this hasn't been a big subject of discussion. There are a lot of piggies that have their paws into a lot of goodies. And so you find people still on Sunday TV saying, oh, Joe Biden's the greatest thing in the world. But there are an awful lot of people that are saying, we got to get rid of this guy. So I think you're right. They're going to they're going to get rid of him. Like you say, how? He's been very resistant. So her report was just one pressure point. Uh, I'm not sure other things that they're going to do to him, but they're going to try to embarrass him as much as possible. I thought I watched that whole thing with her and the, the, the press conference that he did. I think it was the worst press conference he did since he's been president. The mistakes that he made one right after it, he couldn't remember that Hamas was fighting Israel. A reporter in the audience had to tell him who it was. Here's the problem, Dan. Here's the problem. I want conservatives to talk about what a good guy Joe Biden is. I want Sean Hannity to lay off him. My daughter and I feel the same way. We sit around every night and say, keep Biden on his feet. Keep Biden on his feet. This is the guy you're pummeling. He's in the corner, you know, getting his brains beat out, you know, and you're going to let a new fighter in the ring. I would love to see the guy hang on. My real fear is that he's not going to hang on. And and uh, I think uh, so. Be careful what you wish for. Everybody I know, every look, I, I'm you think every conservative I know wants is talks about Biden. They want to get rid of Biden, get rid of Biden, get rid of Biden. Biden is the easiest person to be. He's the easiest guy out there. He can't. Can you imagine him trying to debate anybody? And he mm -hmm. doesn't have a COVID anymore to stay in the cellar. Now, meanwhile, Newsom is damn good on his feet. He's full of crap. But boy, is he good. He'll have an answer for everything. He'll tell you up is down and black is white. The guy was good. Look at this, what he did with DeSantis and without a friendly moderator in Sean Hannity. And the guy looked great. Now, I'm sitting there saying, okay, now that answer's wrong. That answer's wrong. But most voters don't know that. They say, that's a great looking guy. I'm kind of a Democratic type of leaning person. I like what he says. Okay, this is cool. Oh, he runs. He's a business guy. He runs the seventh world's seventh largest economy. Yeah, it's going in the tank. But he runs, mm -hmm. runs the world's seventh seventh largest economy. This guy's going to be our president. I hate to say it. I mean, here I am. I'm 
between you and me, and don't repeat this, I'm responsible for getting him into our tennis club. Have I told you that story? Mm -mm. Oh, no, don't. No, no this, this is cone of silence. Uh, the admissions committee, um, and I'm friends with his in-laws, admissions committee rejected him. And uh, uh, I thought they had done it illegally under the California Corporations Code, and I insisted on a vote of the board. And the board voted, and they reluctantly, and they ended up admitting him. Uh, uh, so there was a little controversy. You can't, don't go anywhere with this. This is just uh, very, very, but my point is, I've done the guy a favor. I've done the family. He was very happy that I did it. I got him in the club. It wasn't embarrassed. It was avoided embarrassment to him. But my point is, I'd hate to see the guy as, as, as present. And I think his father-in-law realizes he would be a terrible president. He's the guy that DeSantis talked about. Uh, his father-in-law gave a lot of money to DeSantis. Uh, they did, DeSantis didn't say that, but he gave to a DeSantis pack. I think he gave a million bucks. So, you know, as much as I'd like to see a guy in my tennis club be president of the United States and a guy that, you know, and, and with the family I know, I think it'd be a terrible, terrible thing. I think just be a terrible thing. Worse so than here, Biden? Worse than what? Biden? Worse than so, Biden? Uh, yes, in the sense that he would actually be effective. He'd be more effective than Biden, and he would he he and he would be lured by the siren song of um, progressivism. He, he he's shown no signs of moderating his stances on these things. He's thoroughly uh, believes in all this nonsense. Uh, you know. He's actually, a, you know, as if you were to meet him, you'd say he's he's a you know, hail fellow, well met, decent guy. He's a uh, he's a dyslexic, which he readily admits to. I think his ability, though, to therefore critically think, to read serious texts, and say, like Bill Clinton, who's a bright guy, and realized there were two sides to every story. This is not Gavin Newsom. He doesn't have that brain power. I think Jerry Brown did not think he had brain power. I think Jerry Brown looked at him as being a lightweight. Um, and, uh, and, and he is, but he's a very attractive guy. He does do his homework in the sense of getting ready for things. So he comes prepared, but he just, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. And uh, but he's got a snappy answer for everything. He's going to introduce progressive policies or keep them up. This this country's going over a cliff. And if I had to bet on anything, I'd say it's going to continue going over the cliff. That's why, frankly, uh, even though I like Trump better than Nikki Haley, I was I kind of been rooting at least before I was rooting for DeSantis or Haley or anybody because I think Trump's got such electoral weaknesses that nobody who is sold on Trump recognizes those. We're all whistling by the graveyard, uh, especially if he gets convicted. He's really toast. But I think he's got serious, serious problems in the middle of the electorate. Even in the Republican Party, he's got problems. There's a lot of, you know, he's stirred up a lot of enemies. He, he's, he's, not, he's not added. He's subtracted from his base. You know, his followers will die for him. That's to his, 
And I love the guy. I mean, I my daughter and I listen to him. He's entertaining. You laugh. He's everything he says. I like. I'm just saying, hey, are you going to win? Yeah, that's my real problem. I, I want somebody to win. I want look. If 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 Dan Perkins were running for president tomorrow, you would have a better chance of winning than Donald Trump. I hate to say that. Wow. You know. Okay. We'll talk again yeah. before the elect, before the convention. Okay. Well, listen, Dan. I hope I haven't been a bummer here for you. Saying no, no, this you stuff. did everything I was looking for. Thank you so much okay. for your okay, man. Take your care. Time. Take care. Hope Bye. I, I hope I don't sound like I'm a defeatist here. No, no. You know, I just I have my I have my problems with what's going on. I'm afraid we're going to lose this election. Okay. Thank you. Sir. All right. Take See you, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show today. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you'd like to send a comment, please do so by sending it to dan at danperkinsmedia.org. That's dan at danperkinsmedia.org. And thanks for listening.